Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here in the zone. Giancarlo Lino joined here, Chris Martelli, and we're starting off with uh, a big one because it looks like Johnny Gaudreau made a huge decision for his family, but it's not the one you would think where he's going home. He is going to Columbus. So, uh, <laughs> Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Because it looked like New Jersey was in like pole position to sign him, and he's decided, you know what? Do a detour, go to Columbus, Ohio. He's not going home. He's going to O. So, yeah, dude, I was so surprised with this. Like, I was telling you before the pod, like, you know, you, you draft Simon Nemec, you don't get Shane Wright, you don't get Logan Cooley. Unfortunately, you couldn't get Slavkovsky, which apparently the Devils were like just infatuated with. So, yeah, you know, you think he's, they're going to get Pasternak, they're going to get Goudreau, they're going to get someone. No, Goudreau. Instead of opting into 11 million with Calgary, giving up 15 million extra dollars, which I think anybody would love right now, he goes to Columbus. Columbus, man. Like, I mean, I get it. Patrick Laine's there. You have Wierenski there. But other than that, like, it's not an attractable place to play. Ask Rick Nash. Like, we saw Goudreau. He's terrified of the freaking the the cannon. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see how that turns out but dude to me this might be one of the mysterious signings that i've ever seen i know you mentioned that you think there's probably something going on in calgary that nobody knows i have to agree because there's no way a guy like goudreau just walks after giving up 15 million extra dollars yeah like i was looking at first when this was signed and when you think columbus okay maybe uh their GM was aggressive and gave him the max, like as much as you can give a player and this term that he wanted, but he took a pay cut to go to Columbus who looking at their depth, they're not a playoff team. They're like a wild card. They're developing. They got two good goalies. Elvis is probably further along there in net, but they lost guys like Panarin, Bobrovsky. Like that was their run at the cup. And now it looks like Gaudreau comes in and signs for less than what he was worth. And, like, I don't know. Do you see this team making the playoffs even with a guy like Johnny Gaudreau? I'll say next year, absolutely not. I think, you know, the Devils are a lot better going into next year with Hughes and Heischer developing a little more. The Rangers, we've all seen that they're a team that's on the rise. If they want to make the playoffs, man, they got to finish top three in that in that division. Good luck. You have Washington. You have the Pittsburgh Penguins, Carolina is a juggernaut of a team now. So I don't see them making the playoffs. And it's weird because, you know, Goudreau said that he wants to win. Like, you're not winning in Columbus. I'm I'm going to be as blunt as I can be, man. Like, he should know this by now. He's been with Calgary. They've been flip-flopping every year, making playoffs, not making the playoffs. And I think the, the biggest factor for me that made him leave just be so much more surprising was the way that Monaghan's career kind of has dwindled. He had the hip injury, and you saw when Goudreau got 100 points, you saw Monaghan there clapping, cheering him on, giving him a big hug, and it's like, this was one of the better duos like three years ago. So the fact that Goudreau just walks and leaves Monaghan out to dry was another surprising factor for me, but no, man, I don't see Columbus making the playoffs with uh, with how good the East has been the last couple of years. You think it's going to be an attractive market for Columbus? Because I'm looking at their team. Like, you get Goudreau coming in, but he's a guy who took a pay cut. And now you look at other guys like Wierenski. He didn't really take a pay cut. He took his full no. worth. And then on top, even added an extra bonus for all the block shots to the face he had. But <laughs> <laughs> even their team, like, they got Torts was probably the perfect coach that they had there. You had stability, Absolutely, consistency, yeah. but... This is another direction now. Like, what do you think they need to add to be competitive in the East? I mean, I think they got to add a proven center. I know that they have Boone Jenner and, you know, Jack Roslovich. It's looking like a fleece for, remember the Winnipeg trade, Dubois for Roslovich and Line. That's looking like an absolute fleece now, as we saw the Dubois rumors of him not wanting to be in Winnipeg anymore. But yeah, dude, like their D is great. They just drafted two more defensemen in this draft. I think they're going to have one of the better blue lines maybe five years from now. Now, I don't know what that means for Zach Wierenski. I don't know if he's going to be there when Urasech is incredible. But, you know, they got Adam Boykfist right now. They got Zach Wierenski. 
Um, they have a couple other pretty decent names. I think Gabriel Carlson is another name there. But, you know, they need – they got their wingers. They got Line, They got Voracek back. They got Goudreau now. Uh, if Liam Foody wants to step up next year, I think he can do that as well. So it's not like they're in Arizona territory. It's just the fact that he leaves a Calgary team. Like you mentioned, they have that Fesna-type goalie in Markstrom. They have it nice there, man. They had the team chemistry, and he's just going to walk to a team that's really, really high risk, low reward at this point. So, I mean, honestly, I think they just need maybe one or two star-studded centermen, and I think Pierre-Luc Dubois would have would have been perfect for that right now. And yeah, uh, just look at that face. <laughs> he's <laughs> thrilled to be in Columbus. And now like if you're Patrick Line, are you like excited even more now like you got Johnny Hockey coming in, a dynamic player? Like is it going to make Line sign a long-term extension too or do you think he's looking to get the hell out the door too? I've said for the longest time, man, like Line's the type of guy that you have no idea what he's going to do. He's a guy that can get you 50 goals next year and then literally be like, "I got 50 goals," which means I walk. Like you don't know you don't know what he what he relatively wants to do we know that obviously he doesn't seem as passionate as a lot of other hockey players no knack to him at all but last year what i saw from line a man this is a guy that it looks like he's improved his all-around game he's become a better playmaker he's putting in i think a little more effort all in all on his 200 foot game but i mean you have johnny goudreau there a guy that can get 100 points i think next year dude I'm circling Line's name in fantasy hockey because I think he could get 50 goals with Goudreau as his playmaker. But does that mean he'll sign long term? Uh, you know, Line's an interesting guy. I really have no idea. Yeah, two small markets in a row for him. Like Winnipeg, they do have like the diehard fan base, but uh, like let's be real, they're not Toronto and Montreal, so they're not going to get all the headlines in Canada. And he's going to Columbus now where. Yeah, they're in Ohio. They got some good sports teams there, like the Cavs when they were rolling, but they're a basketball market. And now who knows, Johnny Hockey coming in, do you think it's going to bring in attention from the entire state of Ohio, or do you think there's just going to be business as usual and it'll still be that small market team that overperforms? Uh, I'll say business as usual with a little bit of an uptick, just like what we saw from the 2018 team when they had Panarin and they had Duchesne and they had Bobrovsky and you know, yeah, the arena's filled, but for how long? Like a year, a year and a half, five months? You have no idea. But with Goudreau, obviously that brings that marketability to the team, especially, you know, you look back at his stats from last year. Crazy stat, Alino. I don't know if you knew this. I saw it on Punk Empire on, on Instagram. He had like 10 more even strength points than McDavid, Goudreau. So you could say he was arguably a top five even strength player last year, which you know, confirms his dominance. And that's why I think his 9.75 is just, I think that's a, that's a gem for Columbus. If he stays for the whole contract and he produces, and maybe you see a couple playoff series, I think it's an absolute win. But as of right now, the, the market is still doubtful. You don't know if there's going to be a lot of fans in the attendance just because of one guy. He is an undersized forward. I don't know if what the market in Columbus really likes because again, dude, like Rick Nash was a beast when he was there. He was a guy that was like six foot five, 40 goal score, electrifying offense. This is going to be a different narrative. I think in Columbus now, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad, but it's definitely intriguing. But for me, the biggest X factor for next year is probably what they expect line eight to do moving forward with the franchise. Well, speaking of, uh, just a team going in another direction and all hell breaking loose. Uh, yesterday, everyone just scrolling online and out comes a nice little article for Flame fans just to oh, be even more positive in the summer. <laughs> what <laughs> a great Kuchuk summer. Just <laughs> said he'd, uh, he will be traded immediately after telling the Calgary Flames he does not plan to re-sign long-term with the team. Just like it can't get any worse now. Like if you're the team, like what do you settle on? Like what players are you looking for to uh, just, I guess, get your market positive after losing two massive players? <laughs> I love what we said immediately. Like <laughs> he just, as soon as Goudreau's gone, it's like I want nothing to do with Calgary, and I'm an American-born guy as well. Maybe he's following the trend there, but dude, honestly. If you're Calgary, you're in a tough spot because, you know, the salary cap hasn't moved too much. 
this is a type of player where he's an RFA. If you trade for, if you're like a team out there like Nashville, Dallas, St. Louis, the teams that are actually interested in him, first of all, is it a sign and trade or is it something where kind of like what the Devils just did, but of course at an elite level, like they get Zaka, he's still an RFA. They got to sign him. Does St. Louis trade Tarasenko to, to Calgary and sign Kachuk to what, $10 million? I, I really have no idea because, man, Tarasenko, I think, is at about $8.5 That would get rid of quite a bit of uh, salary cap on the Blues. But apparently, dude, I saw a report that they offered Tarasen- or Kairou Krug in a first, I think, and they rejected that offer. So I think at this point in time, it might have to be Tarasenko, Krug, and a first for Kachuk. Uh, I'll ask you this question, man. I know Kachuk had 100 points. To me, I don't think he's a 100-point player, but do you think if you're the Blues, you have a, you locked up Robert Thomas eight years, do you think if you get a guy like Matt Kachuk, do you think the Blues can be a serious contender for the next couple of years, or do you think it's a really risky approach getting rid of a guy like Krug and Tarasenko at the same time? I think it would be one where he's a guy that they know what he offers in the playoffs and they know what he can offer to his team. I think he's not a 100-point player, but I think 80 to 90 is a good target. He's a like two-way player, could score, and he just plays so aggressive that it pisses everybody else on the other team off. So that's a guy you want on your team, and I know he gets a bad rap for being a dirty player sometimes, but at the end of the day, he does help his team win. And I think St. Louis would be the perfect spot for him. You know he would want to actually be there. Uh, his dad was a legend there. So if you can bring in Matt Kachuk, a second-generation guy there into that market, even put him in the leadership group, give him the A on his jersey, I think he'll be committed long-term. But if you're going to trade him, this is an opportunity for all the other teams, like the Leafs and looking around at uh, teams that really need to make a move uh, could be a good rental, like a Kawhi Leonard one-year type thing where you know it's only going to be a one-year deal and you're going to hope that he brings you a championship. So you're going to have to overpay, but it's worth the rental. Do you think like the Leafs have a shot? I know it's kind of a stretch. I think Matt Kachuk is a guy that any team wants in the league, but I think at this point, Matt Kachuk holds the cards. Now I said to my brother, call me crazy, Alino the Senators have a really good chance of packaging to get Kachuk because, dude, I just mentioned the top nine forwards. Like, they're loaded. They have Batherson they could trade. They have Josh Norris they could trade. They even have a guy like Fermentin and Pinto and even, like, Stetzel they could trade. Can you see Ottawa potentially realigning Brady and Matt? Oh, yeah, I can see that. If they they're, It's just going to depend on what prospects are willing to give up and – if they know he's going to re-sign, I think they'll be more aggressive and saying, okay, if you want Stutzel, we'll maybe be open to that if you add maybe another piece, like a bottom-pairing defenseman or another asset. But I think Ottawa should be a team everyone looks at. And if the Leafs like want to get in on this, I think the cap would work. But I think Nice is going to be the guy and Robertson that – Maybe if it's not for Kachuk, Patrick Kane. Like I think they're keeping those two available just in case they want to be active in another trade. So those are going to be two big names to look out for, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I think there's more moves for this summer to come. You think Matt Kachuk can potentially be involved in a trade with a guy like a William Nylander? Like you put Nylander, maybe Lilgren might have to be a part of that deal. Like. Is that something that you're thinking? Because, man, like, Chuck with Matthews, oh, my God. Like, that would be incredible. Yeah, Nylander goes back to Calgary where he was born. Good Calgary boy. His cap, it actually works out for in Calgary's favor. It gives him more of a structure with their salary cap. He's only making 6.9 mil, and he's a guy that can score 80 points. So if you put him on Calgary, I think he has two years left. That gives him some time. Even if they want to trade him, they have another year at least on his contract where – Kachuk is basically saying he wants to get traded immediately. So at the, I think the Flames don't really have leverage. I think this is bad that it came out that he wants to get traded immediately, like rather than the deadline, like so many guys do in the last year of their deals. So there are assets that they get back. It might not actually be the kind of return that many people think. They might be selling them for a lot less than what they could have got. Yeah, dude, it's unfortunate. Like, you're getting rid of Kachuk and Goudreau in a span of two weeks. It's just 
Holy shit, man. That's like getting rid of Matthews and Nylander in two weeks. Like, think about that. Like, that's terrible. So I feel I feel for Calgary fans. I honestly do. Because I said it, I think when we were doing our playoff video, I had Calgary potentially beating out uh, Colorado to go to the finals. And then this happened. So I'm going to blame McDavid. McDavid literally ran Calgary to the ground. <laughs> Bunch of bullies online. <laughs> You gotta love Twitter, man. Oh Johnny my god! Johnny and Kachuk leaving, just us waving, like... just waving. <laughs> <laughs> I can't oh. believe it. Still, still can't believe it. It's crazy that they're two biggest names right now. Two like performers that, when you think of Calgary Flames, you think of Monahan, obviously, and then you think of Kachuk and Johnny Hockey, and two of those guys are out the door, and one of them is probably having to be on the LTIR because of an injury. So it's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. That's like another – I want to put into perspective too. That's like Carolina getting rid of Aho and Svechnikov in, in, in two weeks. That's like the Rangers getting rid of Panarin and Zabanejad in two weeks. <laughs> like, dude, this is terrible. This is like the worst thing I've heard for a team in a long time. Like, this and is a not team good. that's in the playoffs. Like, this is not like, even a team that's like rebuilding, like in Arizona, where you're probably thinking, okay, Kessel, Chaitrin, and uh, Keller could be out the door. Like, this is a team that was in the <laughs> second round. Like, dude, what are you doing if you're Elias Lindholm? Somebody check in on that guy. Like, fuck, that feels Imagine so bad. For the him. next report, yeah, Elias Lindholm requests a trade immediately. His agent <laughs> is in discussion with the GM. Like something bad's going on in Calgary. I don't know what Sutter's saying. I don't know if he's bullying them. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but yeah, it's turned sour really quick in 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 Calgary, man. Uh, next topic here, while we're on topic of contracts, uh, Nazem Kadri still has to decide where he wants to play, and it looks like he's not gonna just look at fit. He wants the best possible offer, so. <laughs> When you're looking at some teams, like he might even put himself in a situation like uh, Johnny Gaudreau, where he's going to a team that's just outside the wild card spot. Like, where do you think's the best fit for him, and maybe who should open up that checkbook and give it to him? Oh man, I, I, the so the these two teams came to me immediately: Seattle and Calgary. Now we just talked about Calgary for the last like ten minutes, but. You know, you're talking about you're shedding Makachuk and Goudreau's salary. They're going to have room now. I think Goudreau, I think Kadri, you know, obviously he's not a number one center. The pay that he wants is a, is a number one center, eight and a half million, he said. The lowest I think he said he'd accept is eight million. It depends on what Calgary really wants because we know Lindholm has played wing before. If you really want to put Kadri up first line center, you have Lindholm on the wing. It doesn't seem too, too bad. Again, you have a guy like Markstrom. Anything is possible at that point. But in terms of Seattle, man, this is a team that, you know, you have Matty Beniers, who's going to be a second-year player. Shane Wright, don't know if he's going to be getting meaningful minutes in his first year as he adjusts coming back from injury. I think Kadri do could fit perfectly. You have him with Eberle. You have him with Jaden Schwartz on the top line, Yanni Gordy. These type of guys, it screams Vegas to me. Maybe not, obviously, not Stanley Cup final, but I think they're steadily going to improve year by year with the team chemistry. If they get a guy like Nazem Kadri who brings that heart every single game, someone's due to have a breakout next year in Seattle. And I think Matty Beniers could have that breakout next year or a Jerry McCann, someone of that nature. But I think those two for now, Alino, but I still hear Colorado is trying to re-sign them. Oh, man. You think Colorado will have to make a big trade, though, to bring him back? Do you think Kadri, at the end of the day, will look at it and say, you know what, I'm getting all these big offers, but I'll return to Colorado for, like, an extra $2.5 million, let's say? Or you think he has to earn that money in Colorado to stay? I'll tell you right now, with the two teams I just said, with Colorado, I would definitely go back to Colorado on, like, a $6.5, 7000000 instead of the 8500000 you get with Seattle just because of – Again, he's coming off a couple injuries. He's 30-31 now. This is win-now mode. You want to cement your legacy as one of the best, you know, pests of all time, especially in a skill set era. You go back to Colorado and you potentially win another cup or two. Whereas if you're with Seattle, yeah, you know, you could get 80 points, but you might be a minus 30. And some guys might, you know, say, oh, well, look at Kadri now. He's, he's a defensive liability. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. So... 
I get Nazem Kadri where he's coming from, man. He hasn't really cashed out yet. He's in his 30s now. He wants to cash out. He had 87 points this year, which I know for a fact none of us had him getting 87 points, so good for him. But I th- I think Colorado, dude, you're playing with McKinnon and McCarr. I, I would take that all day over over the money. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a perfect situation for him with those guys. And McCarr is still only improving, which is scary. So Scary, yeah. Like the avalanche. I know they might have to make a trade, but I think it would be worth it to bring Kadri back. And speaking of the Western Conference, Las Vegas, a full year with a healthy Jack Eichel back, him and Stone. What do you make of this duo? Do you think they're going to be a good team, or do you think they're going to underperform? And we'll talk about the next trade is going to happen probably with Vegas. Honestly, man, I'm I'm excited for them because Leonard, you don't really know what you're going to get. You saw Thompson this year. This was a goalie that was an unknown. He got an opportunity and he kind of went with it. Kind of like what we've seen over the years with Huso, with Bennington, with Nedeljevic, all those guys. But, you know, you have a healthy Mark Stone now. I've mentioned to you and I've mentioned to Pinello, that's one of the best players that Ottawa's had since the trio back in 2007. So, if Mark Stone could get back to his elite level two-way game, he's the captain of the team. You have Petrangelo, who is getting older, but Shea Theodore is a guy I've mentioned to you. Maybe not a Norris type of defenseman, but like a tier under that. He's a kind of like, I think he's in the same mold as maybe like a Petrangelo. Like he's not going to win the vet, the Norris, but he's right there. And again, Jack Eichel, this is going to be the year where I could see him getting 100 points. And I know a lot of people will not like me when I say that. I'm a Jack Eichel stan. I think he's one of those elite offensive players. And, you know, with the wingers that he has, I think he's going to do damage this year. So I still think, even though they got rid of a guy that we're going to talk about for free, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they're still relatively really – I think they're in good shape in the Western Conference. But, dude, I said this last year. I'm going to say it again this year. Vancouver's the team to watch in the Western Conference next year. Yeah, I like that you brought Vancouver. Um, I agree with you. I like Pedersen. I like uh, just Boudreaux's style of play. It's more offensive heavy. He loves that kind of play. And he's not one of those coaches that want everyone to be like freaking robots and track back, like ask guys who are offensive players to be defenders. So uh, it's an exciting play. Like we saw Washington, they end up winning President's Trophies all the time, but just playoff success like now in Vancouver he does have that depth there he has Demko and Ned was unbelievable unbelievable like what do you think of I guess their overall team like I know maybe no one's gonna say they're gonna be a cup contender but I think a playoff first round is uh, a pretty good start like do you think they're gonna be making noises here absolutely I think for sure a playoff team I wouldn't be surprised if they had the same type of year that the Kings did this year, where a lot of guys are going to undervalue the shit out of Vancouver because, again, it's crazy to say, man. Like, this is going to be Pedersen, I think, his fifth, fourth or fifth year with the team, and that chemistry, for some weird reason, is still not there at that elite level. Like, I was praising Vancouver with Pedersen, with Besser, with, with Miller, with uh, Quinn Hughes, Kind of like how I was with the Leafs back in like 2017. They're all coming up at the same time. And they haven't really done anything. And dude, I know two years ago. Remember when they all had that COVID bug? Yeah. I don't know if that really affected them and their chemistry. But I think now that they ended up for... I don't know how they did it. They ended up keeping Besser after the trade rumors for like a year. He signed now for three years. The only guy that is obviously probably an, an intangible is Connor Garland. But... Even then, that guy's second. He's a second line forward. You got say what you want about Bo Horvat. I think he's improving every single year. He's to me, he's like a mold of a Ryan O'Reilly. And we saw what O'Reilly did with the Blues when he won the cup. So I'm not going to say cup contender yet. But again, like you've mentioned with uh, with guy like with goalies, for example, like Markstrom, Campbell, when they hit their stride, I think Demko, dude, call me crazy. Demko could maybe be in a similar light as Shesterkin as soon as next year. I think if he really shuts, you know, he really hones his skills, focuses in on what he has to improve on, he could be like a Shesterkin next year. Mark my words. So to answer your question, I want to say maybe they finish third in their division. And I don't know if they're going to maybe win a round, but I do expect, 
I do expect them to make a little bit more noise than they did this year for sure. Yeah, like man, Demko, Vancouver gets so lucky with these goalies. Like Luongo, <laughs> they had like, like Demko now. Mark before, yeah. <laughs> uh, Schneider, when he came up, they had him and Luongo together, and now they have like this another young goalie that they can build around. So, yeah, I think they're in a similar spot. I think he eventually might be in the Vesna conversations. If it's not this year, in like the next three years, he'll probably be in that top five of the league. But another rumor that uh, was unfortunate that I saw that kind of pissed me off a little bit Uh-oh. was. Uh, one that didn't involve the Leafs, it involved another team, Edmonton Oilers, going after our boy Phil Kessel. Uh, oh man, what are your thoughts on this? And how many goals does Kessel score as an Oiler and playing with a line with Connor McDavid? I guess this 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 probably means Paul Yarby's gone. If 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 the writing's on the wall, if they're going after Phil. Phil has to be, like you said, I think top six forward for sure. You're playing him with either Nuge or McDavid. The only problem is, Alino, I don't know if you play him with McDavid just because they ended up re-signing Evander Kane and the guy just looked like Ovechkin in the playoffs. So uh, I think Evander Kane will be on the top line. I think his salary, like his AAV, I think is incredible with the production he might put up. But Phil Kessel, dude, honestly, it would be a cool story seeing him probably on a power play with McDavid and Dreisaitl, being on that second line with a guy like Yamamoto or McLeod with Nugent Hopkins. I'm all in, man. If it's not Toronto, I would be thrilled if he go. I, I would be thrilled for Phil if he goes to Edmonton. Oh, man. And imagine, like, a lot of people are seeing him in Arizona and seeing his stats decline, but they have to look at who he actually played with. He played with fucking nobody. So. Nobody. Yeah, nobody. <laughs> if he goes to Edmonton, he's in a good spot. Like, he'll probably play with Hyman a few times. Uh, he's a guy who kind of suits Kessel's style. Like when Kessel's on the lease playing with guys like Bozak and Lupul, JVR, like they kind of play with that two-way game and Kessel goes up, makes plays off their passes and puts them in a good position to succeed. Then he'll score that big goal. So if you put him on a power play now with Kane, Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid, I, I think 30, like 30 goals could be realistic for him, even though he is 35. It's safe to say if this happens, Alino, you're going to be taking them in fantasy, I assume. Oh, hell yeah. Hell Fill yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love think, it, though. Do you think his salary, though, like, I don't know, what do you think is realistic for Kessel at this stage if he's going to Edmonton? No more than what Kapanen got. So Kapanen just got 3.2 uh, AAV, I think about 3 million. Now, you could call me crazy because, again, Giroud got 6.5, but. I don't see Phil getting over four and a half for sure. Just And it's crazy to say because he plays every game. I think it's just he's accepted. Um, he probably has about three to four years left in the league. I think two years left at a some like a subpar elite level. I say 50 points now, Alino, is like the outlier for him. I don't think 60 points is something that we should expect from him. But again, if you're with McDavid, maybe he can get 60, but... I do think they're going to lowball him. Unfortunately, I think three million is something I would give Phil. I think it's respectable. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a good number, and like it also brings up like Patrice Bergeron and Kessel. Like these are guys that have been to the Cup final, performed in the finals, and played big roles in their team winning a cup. Like, are you surprised it's taking this long for like any team to get traction, or is it maybe just them uh, taking their time with picking their next spot? I think it's just cautiousness, man. Like, again, I'll bring up the salary cap issues. When the salary cap doesn't go up and you have guys like Bergeron and and Kessel and you don't really know their value, to be honest, too, because Phil was a – let's be honest. Phil should have won the Conn Smythe that year. He led the the Penguins in scoring. He was a pivotal part in every overtime. Looked like Justin Williams on steroids at times. So – I'm going to blame the salary cap. I think there are teams out there that, you know, you look at Patrice Bergeron and it's like, okay, this guy is the best 200 foot player that we've arguably ever seen, but he's 35 years old and he's coming off two years in a row with really serious injuries. So I'll just blame the salary cap. I think Bergeron obviously is going to get a little more than Phil um, because again, the center spot is a little more valued and what he brings to the table. But it's going to be interesting. I, I do agree with you. I think teams are just a little more cautious. They really want to see maybe what their 
young guys are doing because the league is getting younger. The younger guys are getting better at a younger age. But make no mistake about it, Phil Kessel and Bergeron, they're going to find a team in no time. And do you think like a team's going to come up out of nowhere like Columbus did for Goudreau and maybe scoop up a Bergeron if he's available for a little too long? Call me crazy. I mean, can you see Winnipeg? Like they lost oh, Stasny and they lost they, – they're going to lose Dubois. I mean, is it safe to say? I mean, I, that's the team that I think when you think of team need and team fit, if I'm Winnipeg and I'm Shevel Day off, I think I'm going full panic mode, getting Bergeron for maybe – Maybe you overpay him for the last two years of his career. Maybe you trade him at the deadline to get more assets. I really don't know what Winnipeg is all about, honestly, Alina. We talked about Vancouver and maybe their elevation, but with Winnipeg, they have Hellebuck, who's a great goalie. They have a couple good guys like Morrissey on the back end, but like, is Kyle Connor really going to carry this team to the playoffs? And Shifley, too, is another guy that to me is an absolute unknown at this point. I think Bergeron being second, third line with the Jets would be absolutely incredible. And if you're uh, Winnipeg, speaking of Shifley, and you look around now, like, do you look at moving him, or do you think this is going to be resolved and he'll be happy to sign an extension? Oh, it's tough because, again, Winnipeg is a hard market to sell on. He's already been there for a decade, and it's kind of like, you did your time there. Blake Wheeler's another guy I saw that's in trade rumors, but the guy's 37 years old. I really don't know what you can get for him, but with Shifley, you could get a pretty big return, I think. And it depends again on a lot of teams out there. I mean, Buffalo is an interesting team. They really don't have a centerman other than uh, what we saw with Thompson this year, who just broke out. Dude, he had one of the most silent 30 goal seasons I've ever seen. No one talked about this guy getting 30 goals. I'm like, oh, this guy got 30 goals, Tage Thompson? That's pretty good. So if a guy like Shifley can maybe spark up the process in Buffalo, they have Owen Power and Darlene back there. Dylan Cozens is looking pretty good too. So, I mean, to me, dude, like some of these takes I'm saying today I think are just out there, but I think Shifley to Buffalo, if I'm Buffalo fans and I'm the ownership, you lost Eichel, maybe you can balance it out with Shifley. Yeah, and their owners, like, they've been committed. Like, they're not shy for spending money. What they gave Eichel, that long-term deal, and then he ends up getting injured, and they still wanted to keep him. And then you look at Patrick <laughs> Kane being linked there. So, I don't know. Do you think Kane and, like, uh, I don't know if he would be on Buffalo's radar, uh, his history there, but do you think Patrick Kane might end up being the next guy if they miss out on a guy like Shifley? Wow. <sighs> I mean, it's his hometown, and Chicago is looking worse than Buffalo right now, so why not, right? I mean, they have Jack Quinn. They have a couple other young guys coming up. If I'm Patrick Kane, I'm what? He's turning 34, I think. Time is – it's if he wants a cup, like, you can't be going to Buffalo. <laughs> like, I mean, probably Florida is your best bet if I'm Patrick Kane. I, you, you and I have said it, I think, the last year and a half. Malkin or Kane is going to be in Florida. And now it's not Malkin. So I think Patrick Kane, dude, honestly, I think he's going to be in Florida in no time. I'm calling it. I think by February, he's going to be in the beaches. <laughs> that when Quenville was there, that was going to be like inevitable because there was always talk like there was uh, miscommunication. Then when Quenville left the Blackhawks, everyone <laughs> was pissed terrible. off. So <laughs> I thought for sure that was going to happen, but didn't end up happening. Quenville gets fired now, but I still think like Florida is going to be lurking around you don't just let mason marchman and no. all these other guys leave if you don't have a backup plan so i, I, I i'm with agree. you on that with yeah you on because that. like again like you, you get rid of what they they i think they have duclair still but you get rid of hornquist you get rid of Giroud, you get rid of marchment there's something brewing there like there's no way you get rid of those three guys unless they think for he's a superstar but i we all know ahl marley's legend he's not <laughs> so I mean, Patrick Kane going to Florida, I think the writing is on the wall. But here, I'll ask you this question because you brought up Patrick Kane. With everything going on with Chicago, dude, I know Jonathan Taves is not worth $10.5 million, but can he somehow get out of Chicago too? Yeah, I think Kane, if they're going to trade Kane and Taves, I think Taves is the one that you're going to retain salary on. I wouldn't help any team with Patrick course, Kane because yeah. Kane proven that he could be a point-per-game guy, so a team shouldn't be asking you to retain salary on that, even if it's for one year. They should be giving the best offer and worry about their own cap. But Taves, I would actively look out 
and say we're willing to retain half his contract, make him a $5 million cap hit, even trade him to another team if you retain half and another team retains like another 20% of that so you can give them like a first-round pick out of it. I think there could be a three-team trade here. But do you think Kane and Taves would both be in the same team with a three-team deal? That would have to be like monumental cap flexibility there. I don't see it, man. I know Taves and Kane have been linked together forever, but honestly, like I could see Taves pulling a mover. If he gets traded, he's retiring. Like he's going to go on the LTIR and not play again. And it sucks to say because, you know, the last two years, us hockey fans are kind of in doubt with how great he could be, how good his health is. You really have no idea. So at this point in time, man, Jonathan Taves has had a hell of a hockey career. We all know he's not worth ten and a half million. He's probably not even worth half that now. But the guy's an absolute gamer. If he goes to any team, it's the intangibles that are always going to stay elite. His leadership. I mean, if it is Florida, let's say Florida gets Taves and Kane, you shove Taves third, fourth line, put him on that cup run. You have Kane with Barkov and like either Reinhardt or Huberto. That's money. And if again, if I'm Florida ownership. We've seen a lot of pictures. They don't sell out a lot of games. If you get a guy like Taves and Kane and you get a lot of tourists going there, I think they could get a little bit more ticket sales and ownership will only be more, I think, impressed and happy with that result. So, you know what, for now, man, I'm going to make this prediction. Kane and Taves somehow make it in Florida. Somehow. Oh, There's one way to, let's say uh, Chicago calls up, let's say Arizona, a team that has to get to the cap floor and say we're willing to retain 50% of Taves, but if you buy him out and make him a free agent, we'll throw in a first-round pick, but we want other assets back. They work out a nice little deal. Taves ends up being a free agent and then signs wherever. You think that could be uh, somewhere where Taves gets out of Arizona, everyone makes a cap floor and is happy, and him and Kane go to uh, any other team? If there's one team that will do that, it's Arizona. <laughs> we saw it with Datsuk. We've seen it with Andrew Ladd. We've seen it with so many other contracts. If Arizona wants to do them a solid like that, I mean, they don't play each other often. One's a West, one's an East team. So, I mean, if you want to do it, do it. But my biggest question going into that with the first-round pick is what would Jonathan Taves' cap be? Would it be 3.5? Would it be 2? Like, that minimum? I have, I have no idea. But another guy, dude, that I really think is going to take a step is Anton Lundell with, with Florida. Like, this is a rookie that, you see him in the postseason, he looked like he belonged. Like Verhege led the team in scoring, and Lundell was the guy that stood out. Not Barkov, not Reinhardt, not Bennett, not Huberto. So, you know, I know you're a Bobrovsky stand. Spencer Knight, I guess, is kind of taking a little bit more of a will-see approach instead of being a superstar. I think Spencer Knight and uh, Carter Harder are in the same light right now. You really don't know what they're going to pan out to be. They're either going to be super elite or – Biddington like like you really don't know but I think Florida dude honestly a lot of people are saying they're dead I I don't think so yeah they got Ekblad coming back too so like their last season a lot of them their plus minus were insane like plus, plus 20 50. a lot of guys plus 50 <laughs> like their whole team was a plus so I don't think losing even though Marchment is a big loss like undervalued a little bit I think their team could still be second place in their division going for next year yeah i mean it's between i think toronto tampa and florida still a lot of people are saying oh ottawa no they're not gonna be where florida and tampa are i know tampa lost a couple players but they always gain at least one or two players so we're gonna see what tampa does i still think florida might be better than tampa next year as crazy as that sounds with a guy like vasilevsky in net but we got to wait and see, man. I still think the Leafs, you know, it's a big risk with Murray and Samsonov, but, you know, with, with our with our forward core, we got to be top three, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I just think the bottom six, giving a guy like Yankrock, a min, I don't know, was it a no trade or modified no move? Like, we're going to give it to everybody at this point. Can't be doing that, Dubas. I just think we signed him because he wants to try and move Kerfoot ASAP. Like Kerfoot will, yeah. I mean, Yarncroft will replace where either Kerfoot is or where Mikheyev was. And then you could bring either, like I, I sent you that clip, Matthew Nice looks pretty nice. Yeah. He looks really good. So I don't know if he's going to make the team. 
he like is Nick Robertson is he ever gonna be a mainstay on this team? I don't really know. Yeah, I think that that pandemic uh like return, I think he got injured after that last year. So didn't he break his out. foot? I think it was either his foot or it was something, but he was over. I remember for a while because there was talk of him getting called up and then they kept him on the Marlies for a little bit just to bring him up to speed. And then all of a sudden you ended up there the whole year. It was a weird situation, but I don't know. Robertson seems to be falling down in the depth chart where before his value was insane. It was like everybody was putting him, penciling him to the top six. 40 goals. I remember that. That was fun. Yeah. Good times. But uh, final team I want to look at here is the Dallas Stars because Jamie Benn, it's, the contract's looking a little bit more movable <laughs> oh, as God. every year passes by. We went through another season, so that means that's one more year off the deal. Do you think this is the summer where they move him? Oh, my God. Uh, it might have to be. I, I, I have a Jamie Benn jersey in that closet over there. Um, you know, that was the year he won the, the Art Ross, 85 points. But he's not that player anymore. Uh, like I said, with so many guys in this in this pod, with Taves, with Kachuk, it's the intangibles that he'll bring. He's that gritty guy now. He's not going to get you 80 points. He's not even going to get you 65 points, I don't think. I think 55 is something Jamie Benn will give you. He's a great leader. But again, if they want to take this direction seriously and this, you know, this retool with Robertson, with Rupe Hints, with, you know, uh, Heiskanen now taking over Klingberg as that number one D, you might have to move Jamie Benn. Now, I don't know what the return is going to be because we just talked about Jonathan Taves and, you know, the, the salary cap and the buyout option because, dude, he's getting paid like nine, nine plus, I think, Ben, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but uh, anything's possible at this point. I, th I still think he is a value to some teams out there, maybe like New Jersey, who really wants that premier leader as Jack Hughes develops. Or maybe if he wants to go to the Islanders, he fits that mold there. Uh, imagine Jamie Ben protecting a guy like Barzell. I think that would only help that team too. So obviously it doesn't seem like he's a movable player at this point in his career, but I still think Jamie Ben is, he's a pretty valuable player to teams that are fringe type of, teams not not necessarily contenders but fringe teams like the islanders and the devils yeah so just even uh did a quick search here on jamie ben and man what a time this was this was 2016 nice little <laughs> tweet eight more years with the three exclamation marks and looks so positive it's like shit there's our guy eight years he signed through 2024 25 let's see the reactions here holy yes <laughs> good one probably the best days of nine and a half mil hell yeah get bishop oh my god yeah this is a way back right here <laughs> get bishop oh my god <laughs> so oh my what could have been it looked like everyone was happy at the time but the last three years it seems Oof. like it's been rough where they're all mad that they even signed him in the first place do you think of he'll just have to be one of those guys they buy out or will he end up being there for the rest of this contract and they're just gonna by and see how long he can stay healthy and contribute to their lineup. Honestly, dude, I think the only way they can get rid of Jamie Ben, other than a buyout, which I think would just be an insult to Ben, I think is you have to you have to include like a Gurianov, a Delandria, you have to include a Harley, you have to include a, a young blue chip prospect. I think if you want to get rid of Ben, but. Dude, I like okay. I'm not gonna say it's one of the worst contracts because again, they went to the finals two and a half years yeah. ago. Now it was a COVID time. Great story though, nonetheless. You know they had Pavelski come to the team and he was dominant. Still is, by the way. He's like 38 and he's still dominant. But I'm not gonna bash Ben like saying it's one of the worst contracts. Obviously the term is terrible, but. I think they understood that. The guy at 26, 27 wasn't the fastest skater. So you can only imagine at 32, 33. So, I mean, like they kind of put themselves in the spot. But to answer your question, other than a buyout, which again, I think would be an insult at this point, I think they're going to have to include a blue chip and maybe a first rounder, man, to get rid of him. Yeah, it's a shame too. Like this is a guy, when you got drafted, I think he was like a fifth round pick and like steel. Dallas, yeah. yeah, looked like a steal after three years, and they had that lockout. He played uh, with Yager, I think, that first little bit after the lockout, 
So Brad Richards, team, <laughs> holy shit. Like their team, like this guy's been there low key. Like he's a long serving member of the Dallas Stars. So I know I'd like to see him get some form back, but I don't just, I think just the wear and tear and him be not being the like fastest skater even to begin with, I think it's trouble. And that contract at the time looked good because he was uh, the leading scorer in the league. But ever since then, unfortunately, he's like a serviceable third, fourth line guy, I think, as his contract is going to be running out. Yeah, dude, like he's been on the team for 14 years. Like that's a long time. Crazy. So the fact that people are bashing him and it's like, come on, like you got to understand the ups and downs when it comes to players and the longevity. So the uh, the other thing that I will mention with Jamie Ben, he's a guy where I think it doesn't necessarily matter the numbers anymore. Like, look at what happened with Get Slapped the last two years. The guy was putting up 45 points. No one said a word about him, and he was getting about $7.85 million too. Now, I'm not going to say Ben has the same career as Getzlav, quite similar, but I just think the decline of Getz, of uh, Jamie Ben happened a lot sooner than Getzlav. Both of them have always had slow foot speed. They've never really been great skaters, but what they bring in terms of their power, in terms of their dominance and their cycling ability, that's what makes them better. So like I mentioned before, I think Dallas fans knew that this day would come eventually. I just maybe don't think they knew the league would, you know, get so much younger so quick and get as just so, like, dude, everybody's so fast now in the league. Like, if you're slow, you're not that elite anymore. We we feel it, dude. We have John Tavares. He's not the fastest skater. People are saying he's not elite anymore. What do you mean he's not elite? What, because he can't skate? Yeah, all right. Well, that's that's how people are looking at it now. So I'll say it one last time, man. Like, Jamie Ben, he's not worth the money. But I think any other team would for sure take a gamble on him, maybe for another two years. Yeah, because you look at uh, Lucic, he was exactly was, yeah, yeah that kind of guy. But like Ben has more scoring capability. I would take Ben over Lucic. I just think it's a contract right now that's putting teams in a little bit of a bind because nine and a half mil, even if they retain salaries, still going to be a lot for a team that wants to make a run in a cup. So I just thought of this. I just thought of this. Corey Perry oh, went man, to Tampa Bay. <laughs> what if Jamie Ben went to Tampa Bay? Would he would he win them the cup? Like, you know what I mean? Like, never give never lose hope on those type of players because Corey Perry, dude, I'm I'm gonna say this right here live now. I thought he would be out of the league like after Dallas lost in the final. Like, I didn't think he would get another chance. Goes to Montreal, plays incredible, goes to Tampa. These last Three years, he's proved me wrong, like, flat out. Like, this guy has absolutely outplayed his worth. He's getting, what, 900K on his contracts, and he's just absolutely being flawless. So don't count Jamie Ben out. I think if he goes to the right team, he can get you 55 points and be that clutch scorer when it matters. Speaking of Corey Perry, uh, you know <laughs> what? I know, obviously, when he was in his prime, he was just a great player, great scorer. and then. Goals, yeah. After the injury in Anaheim, he ends up getting bought out and goes into free agency, goes to Dallas, and he's going to be that kind of guy, bottom six. But he's one in three in the finals. Uh, last three years, he's lost. So at least he got there. Uh, it's not like really <laughs> fair to compare because he was one and oh, really, in his prime. But last three years, he goes to the finals, loses every time. I don't know if I'm Kyle Dubas, I don't even care. I'm going to sign Corey Perry. Let's get to the Leafs of the final. And if they lose, at least we get there. So. Corey Perry for that uh, bottom six role for the Leafs. You down with that? Yeah, man. Like, here's the, I don't want to start getting a little heated, but th like, this is another issue. Like, you sign Aubie Kubel to a million dollars, and Corey Perry's available. What are you doing? Like, Corey Perry could bring so much value to that fourth line. If you put Corey Perry with, let's say, and I mean, here's another thing we didn't even talk about Engvall for some reason resigned. Don't, don't know why, but okay. If you could put Corey Perry with a guy like Engvall, if you could put him with a guy like Kerfoot, if you could put him with so many guys, I think his leadership and, dude, if you ever looked in Corey Perry's eyes, he's a menace. You don't yeah. want to look in his eyes. So <laughs> I think he would scare a lot of people on this Leafs team to like motivate their game even more. I, I still think we have time to get either Phil or Perry. There's still time. I'm really hoping we get Corey Perry. 
if you got Corey Perry, just throw him in front of the net. He'll he's a goal scorer. He knows how to score those kind of goals. Put him with Nylander. Yeah, Nylander will give him around, dip around, and then after get those kind of JVR goals in front of the net. I think Corey Perry can uh, rejuvenate his career a little bit. Maybe not be a forty goal guy, but maybe twenty. <laughs> I was going to say, how many goals would you expect? Twenty <laughs> five? Yeah, put him up there. If he's in front of the net, the amount of shots that these kind of uh, leaf players take at times, I, I think he can uh, tip in a few. I think his stat line would be something like twenty five goals, eight assists. <laughs> <laughs> oh was it Duclair that had uh, like an insane stat? I think he had like no assists. He had like four, but like all goals. Uh, yeah, two years ago, yeah, he had like twenty seven <laughs> goals. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Perry has to get signed though. I don't know yeah. where, but he has to. Would you be happy if he went to Anaheim, or you think he should look to? Uh go to a cup contender again even though he's won a cup but like would you go for the nice storybook ending of his career you want to see him make a run i mean honestly i could see him doing the exact same thing gets lab did he knows z is going to be phenomenal like he doesn't he doesn't feel the pressure there anymore he'll play third fourth line he'll get an ovation every time he's there if it's not a team like toronto or maybe i don't know like colorado or I don't think he's going to go to Colorado, but like, let's say a really good contender in the, in the Western conference, I think it should be Anaheim for sure. Yeah. Cause that would be incredible, man. Like I even said, like, I, again, I'm saying in this pod, I want him to sign somewhere, but I wouldn't be surprised if he retired because a, he lost three in a row and his buddy gets lab retired this year. So they would always be linked together where they got drafted together. And then you arguably retire the same year. It's it's definitely it's interesting storyline going into this year with Perry because I have no idea but I hope he signs with Anaheim. Yeah, with you on that. Well, uh, Chris, anything else in uh, the NHL you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Uh, I just want to say that the Devils, Jack Hughes, is going to be a superstar. Let's go, hundred points next year. <laughs> Wherever Phil the Thrill lands, I'll uh, go that he gets thirty goals. I'm making, I'm making a bold prediction here. I know it's early. Fantasy is not even around, but that guy right there is getting Phil Kessel for sure. 100%. <laughs> uh, that's all for uh, this week's episode. We went all hockey. Next week, we'll be back here to preview SummerSlam. And, oh, yeah. Uh, talk about all the things going on there and maybe talk about Ric Flair's final match because it looks like a bloodbath already that they're promoting. So. <laughs> I'm uh, Giancarlo Lino. That's Chris Martelli in the zone signing off.